0: This is Stacey Hillier, and you are listening to The Prophetic Collective podcast. Hey listeners, thank you so much for tuning into The Prophetic Collective. We love hearing all of your feedback. Why don't you check out this testimony from one of our listeners? A few weeks ago, I heard the Holy Spirit say, search podcasts on The Prophetic. Immediately, I started searching on my phone. As soon as I got on The Prophetic Collective, I heard the Holy Spirit say, this is the right one. And there I started listening. My life is completely changed. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome back to The Potty. We're in the midst of our new series, Revival Reflections. And for those who haven't heard, we actually have something so beautiful happening at my home church, Numa Church, where we're seeing this beautiful outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it's a season of incredible growth, stretch, and transformation. So I want to share what God has been doing, what He's been teaching us, what He's saying to us, and even who we are becoming. And you're going to meet some of my friends throughout this series you already have. But today, I want to talk about one of my first of many meltdowns once this outpouring began. And I'm going to share with you how the Lord led me through that and what He taught me. Because when the Lord begins to pour out His presence life demands some changes. So stick around because you're going to love what I'm going to share today. So we're going to go back to August 28, which I've already told you a little bit about, where we had a multiple hour outpouring about 12 hours on the back of a conference. Now, anybody who's involved in a creative team or the planning of a conference knows what this means to put on a conference because it means we're the teams that do the setup, the planning, the dreaming, the pack down. We rehearse for weeks. We're the first to arrive. We're often the last to leave. All of this to say that by the time we hit conference or Super Bowl Sunday, my spirit was well and truly alive, but my body, including my vocal cords and my eardrums, was so very tired. Then as the apostles and myself and the rest of the executive team began to process, how do we steward what it is that the Lord is doing? We headed into nightly revival nights with multiple hours of worship because this was where we thought God was leading us. It was the best we knew how to do. So we would take Monday off. We would come back Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday to try and steward and to follow this beautiful thing that the Lord was doing. Now, you've got to remember that normal life didn't actually stop. The kids were at school. Clothes needed to be cleaned, although I do remember one particular morning when I did an early morning run to Kmart to buy everybody a packet of undies because I had had no opportunity to do any washing for weeks. Sports were still happening. People still needed to have meals cooked, all the things. Teams needed to be led, rostered, set lists done, pastoral needs needed to be met, and intimacy with God needed to be maintained and, in fact, increased, which I'll talk about more in a moment. Also, because such a huge part of this move of God was refining, people had a lot of pastoral needs. There was a lot of repentance happening and a lot of repair happening, even within teams. Whilst that might sound like a lot, and it was, it was actually difficult to even complain because you felt like a weirdo to complain like, oh God, this is hard. When you were living in the fulfillment of generations and months and years of prayer, We were living in what we had prayed for. So it almost felt entitled or wrong, or it even actually felt like sin at times to go, wow, this is a lot. I don't know how we're going to continue to do this. And we just hadn't actually figured out how to walk in the fulfillment yet. So maybe to give a bit more context, I want to explain if you haven't attended what our revival nights look like. So we start with about an hour of worship with a little bit of prayer in there as well. And then the worship team actually stay for that prayer time, for that altar ministry. Uh, We return after the, the preaching of the word for what we call the wonders. Some nights we can be on stage, privileged to be on stage for up to four hours. And whilst it is a privilege, anybody who leads worship or plays an instrument actually understands that that has a very real physical effect. So for me, it means that I am still figuring out how to steward constant ringing ears because to wear in-ears for that long is actually not healthy for your body. Uh, Tired vocal cords are a thing. I've had to learn how to re-sing some things. And it's not just me. We're talking a whole team here. You know, we've got people who have shoulder and back aches because they're holding up bass guitars. All of these things, I feel so silly even complaining about them because what the Lord's doing is so magnificent. I'm just saying that, These things are real. Like, this is the reality of what we're stewarding. So, we've got these soaring spirits, but tired bodies. And I just want to say seeing people healed and seeing people have breakthrough, even seeing heaven touch earth, is indescribable. But to steward that is a lot and it requires real wisdom. I have never been this tired in my whole life. And we've had to be okay with learning to say that because people are tired for all kinds of things. I got a lot of friends who are tired for Netflix. You know, at least we're tired for a move of God, but that's the reality. We have to figure out how to steward the fulfillment of what we've prayed for. And so actually, in all reality, it didn't take long in my family. I'll just speak for my family, although I know of others, but I'll just speak of mine. It didn't take long for it to feel like the wheels were coming off. Because this was a whole new pace, a whole new demand, a whole new level of following, all while you're doing this mass repentance and you're seeing the Lord do these wonderful things. So you're faced with a tension of a tired body and family life and everything in the natural still continuing and a spirit that has been set on fire and is ruined for anything less. So we were also living with this very real awareness that historically revivalists often did not steward their bodies well and they did not steward their bodies or their relationships or their family well and you see many marriage breakdowns, children walking away from the Lord because of what their parents said yes to and premature death or very ill bodies and we don't believe that this is God's will or God's best for this season and so we've had to lean on wisdom from the Holy Spirit to know what to do. So there was this morning uh, after a very late revival night the night before, i just dropped all the kids to school and I needed to hear from the Lord because I was exhausted. And we're like two weeks in at this point, right? So I hit up a local cafe with my Bible and my journal. I ordered a coffee. I went and sat out in the sun. There were horses neighing beside me, this gorgeous view of the mountains. So I was just beholding the beauty of the Lord. And then I asked this very tired question, And I meant it earnestly and purely. I said, look, how do we sustain this, Lord? I said it in a whisper. I was so weary. Like, how do we sustain this, Lord? I want this move. I want to see you move. I want to do this well, but I just don't know how to sustain this. And, you know, I felt the kindness of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit just come so close. And what he said next wasn't condemning. It wasn't harsh, it was so loving and it was so kind and I felt the Holy Spirit simply say this, Stacy. wrong question. The better question is how do I remain, not how do I sustain? And it was like this weight just lifted off me as he said it. And I knew he was about to unload and unpack more with me. And he said, I want you to go to John 15. Of course, one of my most favorite passages. But that beautiful phrase that he whispered brought immediate freedom to me because I knew he was going to give me insight as he just said, no, Stacy, the better question is not how do I remain or not how do I sustain, but how do I remain? The better question will always be not how do I sustain, but how do I remain? So I'm going to read you the verses that I read that morning. This is John 15 verses 1 to 5 in the ESV. It says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you I'm the vine, not the vine dresser. My father is the vine dresser. In other words, the sustainability of the vine is his role. Of the fact that, yes, I I have this invitation to abide in him, but actually he fully abides in me, so I'm very safe in this season. Also this revelation, this reminder that I can't be fruitful in this season without abiding him because I can be busy and not fruitful. Busyness doesn't equal fruitfulness. I can only be fruitful if I remain, if I abide. And also that I can do nothing without him. I can do not a thing without him. I can do a whole bunch of striving, but I can do nothing effective for his kingdom without him. And so it was upon these foundations that he said to me, if you remain, I will sustain. He said, you didn't start this, you won't sustain it, and you certainly won't perfect it. (laughs) So I read these verses, and that's exactly what he said to me. If you remain, I will sustain. You didn't start this, you won't sustain this, and you certainly won't perfect it. And I just was like instantly free. This instant relief came over me, and I I realised in that moment somehow I had believed the lie that I had to sustain a move of God, that it was dependent on what I And others brought to the table when all the Lord required of me was to remain in him and to trust. He would show us which pathway to take. He would show us when to say yes and when to say no. He would show us when to hold meetings and when to close the room. And it also actually released us from the feeling, the fear of being the church that had a two-week move of God and then shut it down. Because to be honest, that was a fear. You know, historically, we've got all these revivals that started and then stopped. And we've got this desire not to bring glory to our name, but that revival is normal New Testament Christianity. So there has to be a key about this sustaining a move of God that has not yet been discovered. And I'm not saying I'm bringing some brand new heavy Revy that no one in the world's ever discovered before at all. What I am saying is this was a key that God gave us in the season that we have returned to over and over again because only God could author or sustain this move. There were things that we have done and we're spending a whole series talking about some of the things that, that really opened us up to this thing, the Lord, to recognise what the Lord was doing and to steward it. But we didn't author it and we're not going to sustain it. Oh, the freedom that that brings. And so if you're even watching what's happening in our church and going, how are they sustaining that? We're not. We're absolutely not. And we're not pretending to sustain it. There are days it's hard and we go, wow, okay, we need to remember my only job today is to remain and his job is to sustain for as long as he wants to. So soon after, uh, my phone rings and it's our apostle our senior pastor, and we're basically processing together how are we going to sustain this, how are we going to do this, how are our families going to do this, how are we going to do this moving forward, what meetings do we want to have next week. And we're talking about the practicals and it was so kind of the Lord that I was able to say I've actually just encountered the Lord right here outside this cafe, told him where I was in a very simple moment and that the Lord had said to me, if you remain, I will sustain, and just shared with him from John 15. And it has become an insight or a revelation or a secret or a key straight from heaven for us during this season that we quote and remind ourselves of often all our staff and our teams, they say this often because it can be very easy and it happens quickly without us meaning to that we begin to step into striving, to fear of men, to works, to fear of this thing stopping, to hype and adrenaline. It's easy for us to step into these things if we feel like, you know, the temperature or the appetite is waning. Basically, we're reflecting onto people this pressure we feel internally. So we come back to this key over and over and over again. If I remain, God will sustain. I am merely the vine. He is the vine dresser. And so looking through God's generals, It was actually when the ministers, these powerful evangelists and healing ministers, began to believe that they had a role in sustaining or even began to attempt to control the move of God, that stuff got funky. And often their bodies, their families and their natural lives really began to fall apart. And I want to receive the gift of their lives and to learn from that. So this secret's been a real gift to us and it also prevents this outpouring or this move of God being about one person being about a personality, being about a worship team or a worship style or even a formula. This whole series, it's not about a formula. It's about how we're following. Instead, this move, this outpouring is about Jesus first and foremost in the middle and in the end. But it's also about a community of people who are choosing to remain in their God, choosing to remain attached to the vine dresser who simply love more than anything, communing with him, who have learned to love, who increasingly love merely gazing at his beauty like Psalm 27.4 talks about, who are learning to be fascinated with Jesus and to remain in him and follow the wind of the Spirit. And for that we can take no glory. No glory for what the Lord is doing belongs to us because we are merely remaining and he is sustaining. Is there work involved in stewarding an outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Do we still have to keep talking about the stewardship of our natural bodies? Yes, with my team just this last week coming off two conferences, a lot of us got sick. We're going, how can we do this different next year? But do we feel the pressure come off? Each time we remind ourselves of this whisper, absolutely, it's been such a gift from God. If we remain, he will sustain. Here's the thing that I've learnt. When the demand of revival increases and the demand on your life does increase, the intimacy must also increase. And this is a tension actually that I'm I'm always and constantly managing because you can't sustain leadership uh, with the well that sustained a previous move of God, There has to be a deepening of the well. To sustain leadership in the spirit depth of a move of God by corporate intimacy only, we'll see this thing not last long. So we have to learn even new and deepening ways to remain in the Lord. So for me personally, this has looked like doing less meetings, which means I'm less available to people, but more available to God. And I'm going to be honest, I've been very misunderstood for this. I've been misunderstood as being too busy for people, too busy with revival for other people. And that's actually okay because I am accountable to God for the fact that I don't ever want to step into professional intimacy. Because if I live in professional intimacy simply because I have another meeting to lead or another sermon to preach, I don't want to have this kind of relationship with the Father and it's not the kind of remaining that he is seeking. I want you to think for a moment about those in the natural who are intimate for a profession. It's actually very difficult for them to ever enter true and deep covenant relationships because they've tasted so long of the counterfeit. And in the same way in the spiritual, if I succumb to the trap of only being intimate with Jesus for what I need to pour out, like Time in his presence, secrets from him is a product to be purchased and then used for the benefit of others. I will find true covenant intimacy with Jesus difficult to enter into. He has to be our first priority, our first inclination, our heart's deepest ache and desire, our longing and our fascination. So, yes. My whole life looks different. My whole family's life looks different. But instead of asking questions like we were at the beginning, like how long is this going to go for and not making any changes in our life, and we'll talk about this later in the series, we had to reconcile, I can't try to fit all of my life. I can't try to fit revival or this move of God around everything I was already trying to do in my life. I'm trying to do everything I've always done. Instead, the Lord said to our family, you need to clear the table of everything, put intimacy and this outpouring at the center and begin to live life from the center out. And everything else has to revolve around that, which will mean there are some things that have to come off that just are no longer on the table. And this involves some really hard decisions with our kids and our family. Um, Because of the age of my children, they've got jobs, you know, one works at Macca's, Another one, refs basketball. My husband was coaching a basketball team with a commitment that went for another few months after this outpouring. So there was a season where it felt like for me, I was going off to revival meetings and my family was doing something separate. And yet we had commitments that we felt God say, honor that because we can't be having revival in the house and being unavailable to the community. So whilst Jai really felt called to see out that coaching, we sat down and we had a plan. We want to see this out. And then we're going to find another way to approach this for our children. Do they make themselves unavailable to work that night as well as on Sunday? We were having all of those kind of conversations and it was some hard decisions. And there were some things that came off the table that were laid down as sacrifices to follow what the Lord was doing. You know what? I know that our family wouldn't trade that for the world. We wouldn't trade it for the world. So today, all of this to encourage you. If you are hungry for a move of God, but you're looking at my life or anyone else's life and going, oh, there's no way. I just want to release you. There's no pressure on you to author this thing, to sustain this thing, or to perfect this thing. There's no pressure on my family to author, sustain, or perfect this thing. It begins, it middles, and it ends with the glory of Jesus alone. And as the vine dresser, it is his responsibility and his delight to garden our hearts and our lives. And it is the delight of the good shepherd to lead us when we need to lie down, when we need our souls restored, and when we need to be moving so that his goodness and his mercy can follow us all the days of our lives. So there is this week's revival reflection. If you remain he will sustain. I don't mean remain and do everything you did before. It will require change and it will require sacrifice. But the the pressure to sustain anything comes off in Jesus' name. So next week, I have a special guest with me to talk all about the fuel of revival. The fuel of revival. Let me tell you, you don't want to miss it. We're going to tell some incredible testimonies. We're going to talk about some amazing historical prayer warriors. We're going to talk about all the good things. Now, you know what to do with the potty. Please do all the things. If you love this podcast, give it a five-star rating and review because that really helps us to get to more people. Make sure you reach out on social media. What do you think about remaining and him sustaining? Has this been a key the Lord has given you? Has this blessed you today? Let me know. I love hearing from you. And so do all the things. Love you and I'll speak to you next week.